Hello! Welcome to episode two of the podcast, That's About It. My name's Emily, and I'd like to take 10 minutes out of your day to tell you about something that I find quite exciting. On this season of the podcast, I will be taking you on a journey through the alphabet with some topics I find quite interesting, and I hope you will too. Today, we'll be looking at the second letter of the alphabet and exploring the role of our friendly neighbourhood pollinators, the bee. So, let's get to it. What facts might you already know? There are 20,000 species of bee worldwide with 270 types of bees being found in the UK. Of that 270, 250 of those are known as what's called solitary bees. This means they don't live in hives or colonies, like we know from children's stories, but live in small family groups or travel alone. Bees come in three types, queens and workers, which are female, and drones, which are male. Only the female workers can produce honey. Bees play a major role in pollination, not only of the flowers in your garden, but of major crops. Without bees, it would cost UK farmers approximately £1.8 billion a year to pollinate their crops. To put that into perspective, if you went into the supermarket tomorrow and bought an apple, it would cost you about 54 pence or 74 cents if we're doing an American. Without bees to pollinate crops, that single apple would cost around 11 pounds or $16. That's crazy. If you've ever had the opportunity to look closely at a bee, you'll have noticed that they're fuzzy. They have hairy bodies and legs to help them carry pollen regulate their temperature and sense vibrations in the atmosphere that might be a sign of danger. But the best bit to me is that bees' tongues are furry. They feature hairs which aid with the lapping up of nectar when foraging on flowers. In some writing, it's also suggested that in particular types of bees, the bees' tongue hairs form tubes or straw shapes for sucking up nectar. Also, bees can get drunk. If a nectar has fermented, it can cause them to, well, act drunk, crash, get lost. Like some drunk humans, they sometimes forget how to get home. Since the 1900s, we've lost 35 species of bee, with one in 10 across Europe on the endangered species list. Some of the reasons this is happening are habitat loss, climate change and pesticides. As our landscapes change with intense building and urban living areas expanding, the corridor for habitable land that bees can flourish in has decreased. We have also increased the intensive farming, meaning that there has been a drop in the diversity of food sources available to bees. As climates change and winters become warmer and wetter, the seasons have shifted their time in the calendar and there are signs that some species of wild bees may just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
scientists are starting to detect that the changing climate may be disrupting the nesting behaviours of bees and when they emerge from hibernation after winter. Climate change is also affecting the timing of flowers flowering when bees rely on for food. Pesticides are designed to kill unwanted pests, but their toxic properties, even when applied correctly, have an adverse impact on bees by reducing their breeding success and resistance to disease. Neonicotinoids are a particularly harmful group of bee-harming pesticides. When bees feed on pollen or nectar containing them, their central nervous system can be affected. The use of herbicides in parks, on streets and on the roadside verges reduces the availability of forageable plants that bees and other pollinating insects seek out for food at different times of year. So how can you help bees? In your garden, plant bee-friendly flowers. These could be ones that they particularly enjoy or those that flower at different times of year from the typical beginning of spring and summer. Throughout the year, allow your grass to grow a little longer to give bees shelter as they travel between flowers. Avoid using chemicals in your garden and look for older recipes on how to tackle weeds or pests. If you don't have a garden, you could plant a window box. Lavender is a great starter. Bees absolutely love it. And children like to use it for art projects or to get a sweet smell on their hands. The other thing you could do if you don't have a garden is look for an insect habitat box. They're usually available online quite cheaply. When shopping, look for brands who donate money to bee conservation, whether that be for bee-related products like honey or other things like skincare. So when did my fascination with bees begin? Funny enough, I remember it very clearly. I must have been 11 and it was summer holidays and all I wanted to do was just muck about with my friends and have a good time and not think about school. And my dad said, this summer you have to do a project. You can do it on whatever you like, but you're gonna do the research and you're gonna write a report and you're gonna do a practical. And I could not think of anything worse. But one of the topics on his suggested list was bees. And immediately I could see the opportunity to do some baking. So I researched bee facts. I wrote maybe 500 words on this one side of A4 about bees and how they live and, and what they do and how they produce honey. And I baked these honey buns. I found the recipe online myself. And I just remember having a great time and being able to show that I had a product at the end of it just made me feel really special. At the time, I don't think I was that impressed, but looking back on it, I'm so thankful for the experience. It's one of those memories that you keep around with you forever that summer when I learned about bees. I really should say thanks to my dad. More recently, however, I've had a whole different run-in with bees. In my house, in the back garden, there's like a trough of soil 
don't really have room for many plants but there's the bit of soil at the back that's got some trees in and we will plant some flowers in it maybe next year and we noticed there were lots of bees flying around and we thought that's strange because we couldn't see a hive we couldn't see where they were coming from so we did a little bit of well digging and we found these burrows they're kind of piles of sand or soil with a little hole and it's very perfectly round in the middle so did some looking up online and i found out we've got tawny mining bees in our back garden so tawny mining bees are a bit different from what you would expect you know bumblebees or honeybees that live in hives and colonies together they're a single female in one of these little mounds that lays eggs and there's a couple of females and a couple of males it's a really small family group only the females have stingers and they're not hard enough to penetrate human skin which is great because that also means that they can't penetrate dog skin. And my dog thinks it is the best thing to run around the garden chasing bees. He hasn't quite managed to eat one yet, but I won't put him past him. The tawny mining bee is beautiful. It's all black apart from a little orange speck on the end of its tail. And as a fellow redhead, I'm quite appreciative of that. Tawny mining bees are one of the most successfully adaptive bees to the changing climate conditions. They've moved further north and have started to appear later in the year. I'm very pleased to have them there. We're not going to do anything with them. They're not going to cause us any problems and they're fun to watch in the late evening. I'm just going to leave them alone and let them get on with their job. brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed spending a little time with me today thinking about bees. In the next episode we'll look at some interesting facts about colour. But that's it for now. And whatever you're doing for the rest of your day, have a good one, won't you?